All right, everybody, welcome to the Randy King Live podcast. This podcast, again, for everybody who doesn't know, maybe it's your first time joining us, this podcast is a debate-based podcast. So what we're going to do is myself and my guest, who I'll introduce in a second, who's already given you his world-famous trademark creepy eye, uh, will be discussing a topic that I sent ahead of time to them. The person on the show decides what side of the debate they wish to debate. So I allow the guest to pick their side, and then I will take the other side of the argument. Now, to be fi- to be clear, I am pigeonholing the guests into picking a side of an argument so they can't give me any okay or maybe or depends answers because that doesn't give us the purpose of the debate. The point of the show here is to, number one, reignite the art of debate when it comes to self-defense and martial arts because that's gone out the window um so in order to keep things clean and fair we have a set of rules so i set out 15 rules which are based off of debating um each one of these rules is a fallacy you're not allowed to use these 15 fallacies in the show if you do use them i'll be the judge of that or Casey will be as well, who's my guest. Uh, he got the he got them as well, but I'm studying these, so it's going to be kind of my thing. And I have them to the side of me. That's what I'm pulling at right now. Um, if there's somebody is caught in one of the argument fallacies, we use a page out of Rory Miller's ConCom book, which is we take a deep breath. We then say, I'm sorry, I got a little upset there. I used a fallacy. And then they have to compliment the other person. So if I make the mistake, I got to tell everybody how handsome Casey is or vice versa. Now, when we're going through the show, uh, I want you to understand that we're going to miss argument fallacies as well. So viewer uh, engagement, what I want is if you catch us in a fallacy that we didn't catch, send me a video of the fallacy and I will pay for that in push-ups, which I will put on a show. So that way everybody's held accountable. There will be a place where uh, we can get this debate going. So I'm going to introduce my guest really quickly, Casey Keckheisen. Casey is the designer and the lead of the Violence Dynamics team, and he's going to tell you a little bit more about himself. Go, Casey. Hey, everybody. It's me, (laughs) Casey Keckheisen. I'm uh, excited to be on the show. So uh, a little bit about me, if you don't know about me, uh, I've been a police officer in the state of Minnesota for 20 years now. So you can see how long in the tooth that I'm starting to get. Uh, Of those 20 years, the last 15 years, I've been on the Ramsey County SWAT team where I have been a team leader, a training coordinator, and now I'm a senior team leader. Uh, with all the spare time I have between those jobs and my wife and three daughters, I also run a martial arts school, uh, Katamido Jiu-Jitsu, and we run it under Judo Minnesota, where our focus is to, um, it's martial arts, but it's martial arts with a heavy uh, intention for personal protection. And our primary goal is to have positive interactions with law enforcement and community through martial arts. Awesome. So if you are new to the show, again, this is the second episode. We have a time limit on the debate. So how it's going to work is this. We're going to do a 20 minute debate on the topic of choice. Um, the topic will reflect the guest's background. They, we will decide, we will tell you what side we're on. Then we're going to do the debate. The debate is free content for everybody out there. At the end of the debate, Casey's going to plug whatever he wishes to plug. 
And then we're going to do a final thought segment. The final thought segment, which is where the instructors come to maybe some realizations or some new things, that is only available on my Patreon page. So the debate is free for charge for you here. But if you want to hear the final thoughts and like the summation of the argument, all of that is going to be done behind a paywall on Patreon. Patreon is Randy King Live. Feel free to go to patreon.com slash Randy King Live. So topic of the debate today, Casey, is... Should civilians use or be taught police or military tactics for their self-defense? I'm going to put 20 minutes on the clock. Casey, what side of this are you arguing? I am going to take the side of, yes, civilians should uh, receive law enforcement or military training. Awesome. Okay. So you are the guest. I'm starting the clock right now. You start with your opening argument. Oh, okay. So... Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, I guess from my perspective of this, uh, besides the real-world experience you can get from whoever's going to be instructing something like that, that you may not be able to get into your, uh, your civilian martial arts school, no matter how good that school is, no matter what style that you are uh, receiving, at the end of the day, exposure to this kind of uh, will enhance your ability to use these skills for personal protection in that if you ever successfully skills, you are going to be the one that's still standing. And we've talked about this on Randy's shirt at Violence Dynamics a lot. Uh, a lot uh, surprise attacks. Are you Casey, 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 surprise? Casey, Casey, I got to stop yeah. you. You're glitching out a lot. So I don't know if your internet's weak or what, but like every third word is blip, 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 blip. And it was working fine two seconds ago. So either A, you need to, to uh, tone down the movement or something. I don't yeah. know what's, what's, what's glitching out the, the, the matrix here. So we're going to start again with your opening argument. So Casey, oh. you can start the show with your opening argument. Feel free. All right, so yeah, I'm taking, I'm sorry, I get all hand gesture that's glitchy. I'm taking the side of yes, civilians should receive law enforcement or military training. Okay. Uh, the why I am taking that side is uh, on top of gaining, uh, gaining the benefit of learning from someone that has to have enough real world experience to put on a class like that for civilians, uh, added benefit on top of that is if you are using any this type of military or law enforcement training uh, to enhance your ability to protect yourself, uh, there may come a time when you actually use these skills to protect yourself and you are the person that's standing and the bad guy is the one that's on the ground. If you have never dealt with law enforcement before, if you have never talked to cops, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble for doing something you're justified in doing if you have no idea uh, what that side of the equation is like. And that experience, oh, sorry, I was getting a call from Gigi. Uh, that experience is something that can only be provided by instructors that have the, uh, the career of being on that side of the quad. Awesome. So I'm going to do my counter argument and then we're going to go to an open free flow debate. So counter argument on this point, reminder, caveat, just because I say something on the show does not believe the thing that I say. This is a debate show. We're trying to find truth. We're trying to find the essence of this. So counter argument. 
I do not believe that uh, civilians should take the training that is given to police and military because the affordances that are given and the structure that the police and military get to work through are different than what a civilian does. So what a soldier is allowed to do on a battlefield and what you're taught to do as a civilian may end you up in jail. You see this a lot with multiple systems, uh, any kind of militaristic system, any kind of system that existed outside of the modern day rules. They have tactics and traits. They don't consider at all, period, the, the legal and ethical ramifications of the things they're doing. They just tend to hurt people when it comes to a military system. With the police system, the goal is going to be different than it is for a civilian. For the police, they're duty bound. They're not allowed to retreat. In a situation, obviously, they can in certain areas, but the goal is to control the subject, whereas if you're being attacked in your home, maybe control isn't the issue. Maybe if you're being attacked on the street, the control is the issue. And the parameters and goals and the drive of the training tend to go towards you being an authoritative person, where in a self-defense situation, that may not always be the best move. So I think there's a glitch in between the training because the goals and parameters are exceptionally different between military, police, and civilian-based self-defense. So Casey, as the guest, you can rebuttal now, and then we play back and forth. And I watch this Good. list like a hawk. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Hard to argue that, but that's the whole point of the show, right? Is to have yes, yes. <laughs> yes. So I guess my, uh, my rebuttal to that too, and take with a grain of salt that, uh, the overwhelming experience that I have is from law enforcement, not from military. So I will take, I yes. will say a middle road, but for the points towards law enforcement, I think that it, let's, I guess, uh, a common lexicon of terms that we use. That I know you and I use a lot when we train together, but if we're looking at fighting to the goal, the goals that we have are uh, escape, disable, uh, control, or sometimes you just have to endure, right? And we've talked about that quite a bit. And so, like, as you said, from law enforcement, uh, really focuses heavily on control. So that's the bread and butter of law enforcement, right? So that, uh, that is, uh, especially I've seen you teach, control is your least priority for personal protection. Correct. So the counter argument that I could, could make that or that I would... I'm forced to make that because yes, of the debate yeah. uh, format of our conversation <laughs> is I would argue that if your training puts you in a place where you can sufficiently control another human being and law enforcement provides that for all officers, whether you're uh, 5'3", 95 pounds or you're a 6'5", 300-pound former linebacker, you have to be able to control another human being as a police officer. Right. So it really focuses on that one aspect of goals for use of force. I would argue that if you have the skills to control another human being, because you've learned that from law enforcement, that if you can control another human being, uh, escape and disable are, I don't know if I want to use the terms, uh, easier skills, but I if you control somebody, you can escape from them off the ground. Right? If I can control someone on the ground, it doesn't make sense for me to wait for the cops to be there. Uh, you, you and I and your daughter have raced at the lake cabin before. Yes. I am not super fast, but, uh, if I could pin somebody's head to the ground and I get a three or four, five pace head start before they get up and chase me, mm -hmm. the chances of me getting someplace safe are exponentially better than me just trying to run away. 
Uh, also, if I have the skills to control somebody on the ground, and the only way I'm going to get out of this situation safely is to damage them significantly enough where they can't get back up, I would say that I have a higher probability of success being able to damage them on the ground than standing toe to toe like in a uh, almost like a sport combative. Uh, I don't know if I want to use the word mindset, but like a scenario that you could put standing toe to toe doesn't make a whole ton of sense for personal protection. If I could put that person on the ground and still deliver force from that person to allow me to stop them from putting any damage into me, I believe I will have a higher success of surviving that uh, encounter. That is not, it's very difficult to get to that without having without training for from somebody whose life had has depended on being able to control uh, larger more violent people right so then i guess on my side of this uh because again forcing ourselves into this argument even though i agree with that's a very good statement uh when it comes to this then i think one of the premises, one of the problems when it comes to military slash law enforcement training, let's really focus on law enforcement training right now because that's what you do. Um, the premise, the, the, the goal for most systems, not every system, because I know what especially I can think of, for most systems is there is an assumption that the person is physically fit or has passed a physical test in order to pull up the techniques they're showing. In the world that we play in, that is not an option. So there's a saying that Gracie's like to use, which is uh, predators grapple, prey strikes, right? And so that, that they're coming off like lions, like the pin people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that's, that makes sense. It's easy to, it's good to be in a controlled position if you are a physically fit human being because you went through a rigorous standard to be there. I like the term prey strikes because the only way a zebra lives is by kicking the line in the face six, seven times and then getting the heck out of there. So I don't know if it's the best idea for somebody with no physicality or no requirements to learn a wrestling grappling system in the framework of self-defense, especially when we look at self-defense in general, the attacker is larger and usually more aggressive in that place. Awesome argument. I love it. Uh, <laughs> my... The counter, so like we're playing chess, the yes. counter is that <laughs> argument, the corner that you put me in to fight my way out of, and nobody puts baby in the corner, is, and I don't, I almost don't want to share this information on a, a public forum. Right. But, yeah, the, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm going through the uh, rules of argument to make sure that you don't do right. friendships later I can't control what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> The, the nicest way I can say this is that uh, I think you have very rose-colored glasses on to the physical fitness standards required to be a police officer sure. and the maintenance of those physical fitness standards. Okay. And the reason I bring this up is that is a burr under my side. Right. And, uh, and we're close friends, and you we, we talk about our daily grinds all the time, and you know the effort that I put into uh, a cop who's a lot closer to 50 than he is to 25 to uh, – to be able to do the things that I want to do. Uh, and without dislocating my shoulder to pat myself on the back, I, for all of the police officers I've known in my life, I can count in the hand <laughs> people that uh, do that on their own time and their own dime to be able to be at that standard. Right. So I, as much as I love your point, I think the flip side of that coin is the, tr and uh, it's something that I have to face on a regular basis as someone who trains law enforcement mm -hmm. is I have to be able to train uh, 
someone who is 90 pounds soaking wet and has to uh, sit on a uh, telephone book to see over the steering wheel when they're driving their squad car to someone who hasn't seen their genitals since the Carter administration because their gut has grown over their belt so hard, I I am liable for the damage that we would do to civilians if no matter what physicality, they can't physically control another person. And so, uh, yes, there is kind of the public assumption that you're supposed to be fit to be a cop. And I wish in my heart of hearts (laughs) that uh, that law enforcement actually fit that assumption uh, that is out there. And actually, um, for folks watching this, if you want to look at the work that uh, the state of Texas, their, uh, what is it, uh, Department of Public Service, so DPS, uh, they are leaps and bounds having that pendulum swing the other way with their physical training, their physical fitness uh, testing, and even so much as, um, like, in the 2019 of the world, even like aesthetics things like, okay, if you're going to be a cop and you're a dude, uh, you, this is, your waist isn't going to be bigger than this. If it, if it is, you're not a cop anymore. So I guess I'm, I'm getting, we got a time limit. I'm getting off here a little bit. I'm giving <laughs> my pipe hand, which yeah. is out. But uh, uh, you make a great point. However, uh, the flip side of that point is that the training provided uh, for law enforcement has to work for all body types because it, as much as we would like to think that cops are these centurion warriors from the past, cops are only cops 10, eight, eight, 10 hours a day, and they're regular civilians the rest of their lives. And so it's not like I'm working with uh, athletes that are at the CrossFit Games next week right? Uh, on the NFL football team. These are pretty much, if you went to a soccer game and saw a, a dad in cargo pants, that's yeah. the guy who's got like have to give him the skills to go home to his family who is going to watch soccer. Right. So I'm going to, that was close to a red herring. I'm going to leave you alone on that one though. That was super close. So I'm going to go back to the original point of the topic, which was, do you think that civilians should receive the training that police receive for self-defense? Now I'm assuming that the program was designed in mind that the, and I'm making an assumption here. So I don't know. You can correct me that the program was designed for people to be in shape. Right. And so when they decided the rules for the defensive tactics, they are assuming some level of physical fitness. Yes or no. It's hard to put that into yes or no. And it okay. works with, with the, with the rules that we have. Yeah. I would because defensive tactics have changed. Sure. I guess my perspective of defensive cha- tactics have changed exponentially in the last, well, I'll say 10 years because yeah. violence dynamics is 10 years old. Right. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, to be totally intellectually honest, yeah, and uh, fit within the rules of the of the game that we chose, yeah, I would say it is fair to assume that how the majority of defensive tactics of what are, is known to the public mm-hmm. uh, was designed at a time when most people going into law enforcement were uh, were large men who had previous military experience. And so uh, for this to be the most fair argument, I can, uh, if this helps out to your point, I would say, yes, you can make that assumption. Cool. So then I have a second point, if that's okay. Sure. What? Awesome. So, <laughs> well, no, but, 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 but again, right. We gotta be, no we gotta, no more points. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then the next thing I want to say is that often 
the physical tactics fail for uh, police officers and they go to a higher level of force. And the person who is in less shape tends to go to a higher level of force possible quicker. If a civilian doesn't have a higher level of force, they can't just, they only have the defensive tactics. Let's say they're in Canada, for example, okay? They only have the defensive tactics. So when it comes to law enforcement, if this doesn't work, they can cycle up their intermediate weapons and lethal force where a lot of people don't get that option. So even if the hand-to-hand -hand fails because the person got through on whatever, like under card, like deciding because we need these numbers in the group uh, way, even if they kind of screw the pooch on the, on the physical tactics, they have other levels. Civilians, we can't assume, always have other levels. So there, another point on my side, I don't think that these tactics work because when they fail or the person's out of shape, they go to their gun almost instantaneously, where civilians in a lot of the country don't have, or not the country, a lot of the world don't have the option to go to their gun. So I think, again, not a great system for civilians. All right, yep, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Thank you. So, and then it, it uh, puts me in a corner to uh, fight out of. Yep. So I need a second to process that. because, And while I'm doing that, I'm going to paraphrase back what you said to make sure that the argument that I'm making is against what you said. So uh, I get, if I understand what you're saying, that inherent in law enforcement defensive tactics is the ability to ramp up to the use of weapons if lower levels of force don't work. If you are a civilian learning this program, if you don't have those other tools available to you, it's, uh, that is a flaw for civilians to get law enforcement training. Is that the, the point that you're making? Yes. Also, that what you said before was we, these cops aren't pinnacles of physical fitness, so don't think they're doing as well as they think, but they still have the option to go, right? So yes. this person who has no physical fitness only has these physical skills to work off of. Okay, so yes, uh, I see you that point. That's uh, I, I need to uh, fight uh, against that point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to fight against that point. That's what makes the podcast like this fun. Yes. So uh, I have to go into imagination land. Then, if <laughs> I'm a civilian that yeah. does not have access to fire or, or, or any tools with me, right? So I live in a prohibitive environment, right? And it's a, and if you're from um, an American cop, it seems like everywhere else in the world is a prohibitive environment. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> this is a prohibitive environment. Um, and I'm training it in such, so. Okay. Okay. So, well, I guess, uh, the, the counter argument that I would have to that then is from world. Hmm, this is just that dude. There's no booze in this. I promise. <laughs> from real world experience, is that um, you and I have both trained with Steve Jimmerfield, who is uh, fantastic, right? And the, his primary deal is he spent his whole life as a, a cop, and he's a, a really strong karate guy. He's a, a fantastic jujitsu guy. But his vibe is whatever he's teaching is kind of for cops, by cops, whatever it is. Um, he specifically has to fill that gap. 
where if you can't train, if you live in a prohibitive environment, he per, he specifically replaces the uh, tools that professional law enforcement would have with, uh, I don't know if you want to use improvised weapons, but uh, weapons that you can bring into prohibitive areas because they're not weapons <laughs> that, uh, that he uses as weapons or means of restraint. And so again, just like there's, there's great crab and there's crappy crab and there's great karate and there's crappy karate. There's great defensive tactics through cops for civilians and not so much. Uh, the ones that I've seen that are good uh, address that issue that you were just talking about. Like, hey, you know what? Uh, um, and he says it specifically. So he doesn't carry a gun with him anymore. And uh, so he carries these other things with him. And he shows like, I well, I have this with me. And when they ask me about it, I say it's a massage tool. So I never get in trouble. And then if... Uh, Al-Qaeda checks up, ah, I do this to him, or, you know, so uh, he has replaced the, he has, so he hasn't uh, eliminated the uh, use of tools when defensive tactics fail. He has replaced tools that all law enforcement carry with things that any civilian can carry in prohibitive environments without getting themselves in trouble. Excellent. So he is the exception to the rule, I would say, though. That's a, he's a rare bird when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, so general defense tactics, but I will concede the point because he does literally train police forces. So that does make sense. So that defensive tactics program does work. So we only got a minute left. So there's no point in putting out anything else. So the next phase of the show is Casey, you're going to promote what you want to promote. But then my favorite part of the show is coming up where we like, Oh, that was a good one. And we start debriefing that. Sure. Um, and like I said, one more time, everybody, that'll be on Patreon, Randy King live. Uh, Casey, what do you got going on? Cool. Well, uh, the biggest thing that we have going on uh, in October here in Minnesota is Violence Dynamics. Pimp the gear right there. So it is the third week in October. I believe Wednesday the 17th, I want to say, is going to be day zero. And we'll run one Wednesday through Sunday because it's prime. We have all of the things that Violence Dynamics offers. Uh, and why we do that many days is so that we can have the... Um, real world experience of the what's the phrase i'm looking for it is the people watching exercises yes correct so that's awesome if you're gonna if you get a chance to come we highly recommend violence dynamics prime it's where it started next year is the 10-year anniversary i'm on the team casey's on the show we're both promoting the same thing uh so yeah get a hold of that so jump onto facebook go to violence dynamics get on the bio tribe group and stay in touch with everything that's going on that sound about right Ooh. awesome all right, cool, Casey. So uh, everybody watching the free stuff, thank you so much. I appreciate I appreciate your support. Please, please, please share this video if you like it. Um, I think this show is awesome because definitely Casey and I have said things to each other here we've never said before because we usually just agree. And we're too busy jerking each other off like, yeah, you're so smart. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that we don't <laughs> that we don't actually get to anything like this. I'm actually really excited for the for the final thoughts on this because I think it's going to be a good one. All right. Thank you so much for watching. I greatly appreciate it. And if you want more, you know where to go. If not, wait for next week's episode. So creepy. <laughs>